So if you have your Bibles, uh, we're going to dive right in. We're, we're just going to go head first. I, I just want you to take your Bibles and hold it in your lap right there, because we're not going to go very far. It's going to be good. Amen. Uh, so how many of y'all hate the word whatever? Anybody just hate the word whatever? When your kid tells you, you'd be like, uh, you need to go do that. And they're like, whatever. And you're like, you're not going to have teeth much longer. All right. So my mom, my mom used to say, I'm going to knock your teeth down your throat. I know it's not very politically correct, but that's what she said to me. Not that I ever needed her to say that, you know, uh, but you know what I mean? Sometimes though, like the word whatever is actually a good thing, right? Like, when your spouse asks you, where do you want to go eat? And they go, whatever. What do you want to eat tonight? Whatever. In other words, like, you, you pick, you know, whatever, whatever. That's, it's good with me, right? Today, we're going to be kicking off our, our, our month of praise, the messages. I think God is going to kind of put it around the month of praise and, and, and talking about praise. So this morning, I want to talk to you about a whatever kind of praise. A whatever kind of praise. This is amazing stuff. The other day, uh, I was walking around Faith Academy. Faith Academy is uh, our school. Faith Academy is an incredible school. Uh, but I was walking around the halls. I was looking for Coach Skoda. And uh, Coach Skoda is a legend. And I was, I was trying to tell him something that uh, uh, God put on my heart that we, we need to do. And uh, so I couldn't find Coach. He wasn't where he normally was. He was roaming around the halls, and I finally found him. I said, Coach, and he's like, come on, come on me. He doesn't even know what I want. He's just, come on, come on me. I ain't got time to talk to you right now. You just follow me wherever I go. So what he was doing was the teacher had given him a paper talking about how amazing a student was. And you might have seen this on Facebook and Instagram. It's pretty cool. So I had to follow him. I didn't know where he was going. And so he goes and gets a student and comes all the way back to his, his, class, his, uh, his office. And so we're sitting in his office, and uh, they're having this really cool moment. So what happens is they bring the student in the office. They sit down or they stand up or whatever. Coach says, do you know why you're here today? And they're normally normally going, no. And uh, he'll say, well, you're here today because you got written up for being an incredible person. And they sit there and, and they tell them what their teacher thinks about them. Your teacher just wants you to know, man, you are incredible. They saw how you helped that student out when you didn't need to help them out. They saw how you picked up trash in the parking lot and when no one was looking. They just want to let you know how amazing you are. And, and they start pouring into them. I, I just thought it was incredible. But then they take it a step further and they call the parent. They get the parent on the phone and say, hey, I have your kid in my office right now. I just want to let you know how incredible they are. And the kid's hearing all this. The kid's like, you know, this is kind of weird, but okay, I, I like it. You know, it's not a bad phone call. And, and the parent on the other line is going, oh, my goodness. You know, that's, uh, I can't believe you're just calling me to, to tell me that. And, yeah, and then they go, well, let me tell you what your teacher of your student thinks. And they start talking about all the, it's, it was incredible. You cannot sit in that office and hear that dialogue going back and forth and hear that phone call without getting emotional. It is powerful. It's incredible. And I just took a a picture real fast. I didn't even know I was taking a picture. I just kind of hit it over there, took a picture of the moment, and I put it on Facebook. 
That was about a week ago. Right now, it has almost a thousand reactions on Facebook. A thousand reactions on Facebook. It has almost 150 shares of people commenting, saying, "Wow, it's incredible! Wish we could do this at our school. This is amazing. How, you know, maybe we could start something like this at our church, or our parents need to start doing stuff like this with their kids." It was incredible to see all the different reactions, and it made me made me realize something. We love praise, don't we? Like, we, there's nothing ever wrong with someone coming to you and saying, wow, I saw you pick up trash. That's incredible. You're amazing. And they would call the parent on the phone and say, you know, your kid is like that because you instilled that into them as their parents. And the parents were like, oh, you know, no, it, it really wasn't me. Yes, it was. It's just so cool. We love praise to the fact that we love when something that we're associated with gets praised. And people are going, wait, I, I used to go to Faith Academy or I've heard of Faith Academy and they would share the post and they write a comment about how incredible that was. Or, or when we like when people that, that are doing the right thing get praised, right? Like we, we just enjoy praise all around, don't we? And so when we think about God and praise, do you realize that God enjoys praise? Like it's, it's important to him. It's crucial to God that, that praise is given to him because he doesn't just pick up trash. God doesn't just do nice things. God is worthy of all of our praise. Amen. So God's going, wow, I just enjoy praise because it's you recognizing who I am. I love it so much. So I decided to do something. I decided to look in the Bible and see where the words praise and worship first appeared. So worship first appears in Genesis 22. You don't have to turn there, but it first appears in Genesis 22. Uh, the first act of, uh, the first word of worship was in Genesis 22. The first act of worship, I get that straight. First act of worship was in Genesis chapter 4. So right at the beginning. The word praise doesn't even show up to Genesis chapter 29. And so I was just curious, when does the first act of praise take place? And so I, I just decided I'm going to open it up to Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, which just happens to be the beginning of the Bible. And I was going to start there and work my way through until I found the first act of praise. Can we do that this morning? Can we just start at Genesis 1-1 and we're going to read until we find the first act of praise. Cool? All right, let's see how long this takes us. And I, if I get my Bible to Genesis chapter 1-1... This is good. This is good. This is good. Get your highlighter out. Get your, under, get your pencil out to underline some stuff. This is good. Genesis 1-1. There is way too many pages turning to be a Genesis 1-1. <laughs> in the beginning, which is a great place to start when you're at the beginning. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void and darkness was on the face of the earth, on the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And then God said, let there be light, and there was light, and God saw the light, and that it was good, and God divided the light from the darkness, and God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And so the evening and the morning were the first day. And then God said, let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters and let it divide the waters from the, what? From the waters. That's it. 
That's it. There is the first act of praise. It's actually not even the first act of praise. God is setting a pattern of praise for us right there, the first six verses. And so praise came before worship in the Bible. And to me, that's incredible because here's what happened. Praise is a reaction to what God has done. And so God does something. God turns around and has a reaction to what he just did and goes, wow, that is good. So God sets the pattern for the first act of praise by saying, yeah, uh-huh, what God did was good. But then he, he finishes the pattern, and he shows us exactly how we should praise him. Ready? It says, he said, that's good. I like it. And it's so good, in fact, that I'm going to take what I did that is good, and I'm going to do something else that is just as good. Because if what I did here is good, then whatever I make next is good. And it says he made the land. And he looked around and goes, yeah, yeah, that's good too. I, I'm going to make me something else. And he goes off and he makes something else. And he makes a night and he makes a day and he makes humans and makes animals. And every time he goes, yeah, that's good right there, God. That's amazing. You go, God. He's setting the pattern for how we should praise. God, look what you did in my life. Look, how, that's amazing, God. It is so good, God. It is so good of what you did that now I'm going to go out and try to do what you did. And my reaction to your praise is to spread God. That's what he was doing. God said, it is so good that I'm going to spread it. I want to make it. I'm going to duplicate it. I'm going to keep going. And he says, that is how we react to praise in our lives. Amen. Come on. Amen, somebody. Amen. Amen. Our response to God is creating and doing and being good. I want you to look at this, if this helps you out a little bit. 2 Corinthians chapter 2. Now we should have a lot of page turning. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. This is so awesome (laughs) because it duplicates what God has said is the pattern for praise right here. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14, it says, Now thanks be to God. There we go right there. Thank you, God, for everything you've done. Thank you, God, who always leads us in triumph. In other words, always says, you did it before, you're going to do it again. You've never, been, you've never doubted, you've never been defeated in the past, you're never going to be defeated in the future. Who always leads us in triumph in Christ. And through us, I love this, it says, he diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. For we are to God the fragrance of Christ among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. Thanks be to God. I want you to look at this pattern. I want you to see how God kind of wraps things up here because this is pretty incredible. Because we know that if we're going to get in worship, that our worship starts with praise. Worship always starts with praise. And praise always starts with with thankfulness. You cannot praise, you cannot worship without being thankful to God. It's absolutely impossible. 
And so he says, if you want to worship, you got to praise. And if you're going to praise, you got to be thankful. So he says, now thanks be to God for what he has done. And then he says, how many of y'all do essential oils in the house? Essential oils, a few people, all right. And you have, you set up on your counter a what? A diffuser and you put a few drops of essential oils and water in there and you diffuse it throughout your whole house. Isn't that a beautiful sign? Well, God was saying to do that long before we had diffusers and essential oils, amen. He said, thanks be to God. Now, because I'm so thankful for what God has done in my life, it is now my mission, it is now my life to take what God has done and diffuse it among all the peoples of the world. In other words, to take what is good from God and take it to the masses, amen? Isn't that good? Take it to the masses. The pattern of praise. Thank you, God. You're amazing. Let me duplicate it and spread it. 2 Corinthians. Thank you, God, for everything you've done. Let me take it and spread it. God, may I be a diffuser for your word. I will be a diffuser for the knowledge that you've given me. I will be a diffuser for what you've done in my life. Do you see that is your mission and that is the purpose of praise? Do you see that this morning? Isn't that incredible? That God, I will take what you've done for me and I will spread it and spread it and spread it. And God goes, that is how you praise. That's how you praise. A lot of us think we just come in and go, God, we love you. We're so thankful for you. And that's praise. No, God says there is, there is a thankfulness and then there is action on the backside of that. Amen. I love it. Psalm 104 is the de facto verse when it comes to praise. Psalm 100 verse 4 shows us and tells us how we are to praise. And and this is it. This is very good. Psalm 100 verse 4 says, Enter into his gates with thanksgiving, into his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name. Enter his gates with what? Thanksgiving. In other words, do not dare get out of your car until you are thankful. Do not walk in the doors of of a worship service trying to worship me until your heart is filled with thankfulness, amen? Do, Do not dare walk in my gates until you are thankful for what I've done for you. How many of y'all are thankful? I mean, you might not feel like you have much. You might not feel like, you know, life is going perfect. But are you thankful for Jesus Christ? He says, okay, now you can go and worship me. I love it. Um, If you were going to have your grandmama over or whatever, you know, I I don't know what the deal is with all these modern grandma names. I wasn't planning on saying this, but can we get real? What happened to grandmother and granddaddy? And Grandpa and Papa, what happened to those names? Now everything's like fancy, like Mimi and Gigi and Free Free and whatever else you come up with. We're just, we're just making stuff up. I think the moment you become a grandmother, somebody gives you a moo-moo and some rolls to put in your hair and you have to go to Walmart. All right, that is just, that should be the requirement today. But we're not like that. Everyone's modern and all the grandmamas look like they're 20 years old now. I don't know what happened. It's, it's crazy. But here we are, if we were cooking dinner for your grandma, if, if you had your grandma come over and you were cooking a special dinner, what would it be? 
when you cook her like whatever she wanted, right? When you ask her, your mama, what you want, right? After years of cooking you the best biscuits on the planet, you know, the best tomato gravy on the planet, you know, the, the hamburger steak with the gravy and onions or whatever. You're, after your grandmama has done all those things, you're, you're going to cook a special meal. Wouldn't you just say, grandmama, whatever you want, right? Kaylee and I have different definitions of a dog. That's just the way it is. I like a dog that is sweet, that is gentle, that is kind, but that you can throw the ball to or that the kids can wrestle and not hurt it or whatever. I like a dog. Any, anybody, anybody agree in the house this morning? You like a dog, right? A dog that, you know, you can, you can rough with or whatever. Uh, Kaylee likes the dogs that when you pick it up, you think it's going to break. You know, I don't consider that a dog, though. You know what I mean? I, I, don't, I don't consider that a dog at all. But to her, she, every morning, she looks at the dog, that mutt, and she goes, you are the perfect dog ever. And to me, I'm like, how can it be a perfect dog when it's not a dog? But anyhow, it's okay. That's her view. That's her view. And I look at my dog. She's like tearing up water hoses in the yard and, and digging holes and, and mud. But I throw the ball and she runs and goes, gets and goes, throws a stick and she hunts around she, and she brings it back to me. And I'm like, you are the perfect dog. And she goes, that is not a dog. That's a horse. And, uh, you know, she hates, she hates that type dog. I, I'm not a big fan of the, 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 whatever those are. And, uh, but, but you know, what's funny is I have a different version of perfection than she does. It's really whatever you think is the best thing. That's what you need to go with. Right. If you're, if you're living by yourself, if you're buying something, you're going to cook your grandma the best meal. You're going to buy the things that you think are perfect for you. Right. And when it comes to praise, I'm trying to loop back around to this. When it comes to praise, that is our response to God, whatever is perfect, whatever. I want you to check this out. This is good stuff. This is where we're going. Uh, Matthew 25. We're going to start at verse 40. Matthew 25, verse 40. It says, And the king will answer and say to them, Surely I say to you, inasmuch as you did it to one of the least of my brethren, you did it to me. Now here's what the NIV says, and this is great. This is amazing. Uh, some other translations also say this, but I want you to look what the, the NIV says right here. It says, the king will reply, Jesus will reply, even though Jesus is telling the story, he says the king will reply, truly I tell you, Whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Can we just be honest for a minute, though? Because I think when we read this verse, have you ever read it like this? Whenever I fed the homeless guy, I was feeding Jesus. Whenever I clothed the person who needed clothes, I did it unto Jesus. But I want you to see something. It does not say whenever. It says, whatever. And you see, there's a huge difference there because we like to think, as long as I did something, that's good enough. But Jesus does not say that. He says, whatever you did and however you did it, you did it unto me. 
okay, Jesus, now you're messing me up. Because all my life, I thought, as long as I fed the homeless, I was doing the right thing. As long as I clothed the homeless, I was doing the right thing. David told me a story the other day. David Butler told me a story about their daughter, Maddie. They were in a pizza place one day, and Maddie was 10 years old, and there was a homeless guy sitting across the pizza place. And they had ordered a meal for their family, but it was too much food, and they didn't realize it when they ordered it. So Maddie's sitting there, 10 years old, and she looks over. She sees this guy across the way, and she goes, Dad, can I give him some food? And he looks over, he sees him, he goes, yeah, absolutely. But if God is telling you to do it, then you need to do it. And I'll, that, that is good parenting right there. And so when they, when they finished, when they wrapped up, David went to the car with, with uh, all the kids or whoever was with you. And Maddie's sitting there and she has to go and take this pizza that they had and give it to the homeless guy who's sitting across the restaurant, and she said she was shaken because she didn't even know if he was actually homeless. He just appeared homeless, but God put it on her heart. Now, here's where I got out of that story. First off, that have you ever been in the moment where you had something good, but yet you replaced it with something cheap because you were going to give it away? In other words, I know we have leftover food, but this is the expensive pizza. This is the $15, $20 pizza. Uh, we can take this home. We can have it for lunch tomorrow. We can, we, you know, we can have it for snack or whatever. Just give him 3 or $4 so he can buy him a couple slices of pizza. Have you ever done that before? I'll take what I have, but then I'll replace it with a cheap replacement. And what was awesome to me is Maddie goes, no, Dad, we're going to give him the same thing that we ordered. We're going to give him the same quality. We're going to give him the, the same thing that we would have purchased and chosen for ourselves. We're going to give that to that guy. And then he goes, and you're going to do it yourself if that's what God has called you to do. I, I love it. It's a personal responsibility to walk out the calling of God and make a personal interaction, a personal relationship with someone you've never met, hand them something good and see their reaction. Isn't that amazing? Here's my point. Um, I think goodwill is killing our goodwill. Isn't it so easy to pack up everything you don't want and shove it in a box? Isn't it so easy to say, well, this is worn out. This is tattered. This is no longer good. This is out of season, whatever. And we shove it in a box. We pull up. Some guy comes out. He grabs the box and he throws it into the back of Goodwill. It's 30 bucks of, of, of old clothes. And yet we get a blue slip and we tell our tax person it's worth 500, don't we? <laughs> I've never done that. I'm just saying I've heard that people do that. Don't we? But do you realize that what's happening is we have good intentions and it makes us feel so good. I'm giving this away to people who need it, but they don't, we're not actually giving it away. They got to go in the store and buy it. But you know what's crazy is we, we say we're going to give it to a good cause and it makes us feel so good inside. But yet, what's it really doing? It's disconnected from the people who really need it. There's no interaction there's no personal responsibility 
from us to that person. We don't get to see their real need. We just hope it goes to someone and we go, ah, this is good enough. And and we just kind of shove it off. But yet we don't actually do anything for the people who really need those things. It's a very impersonal way to give, right? And I'm not saying goodwill is bad. I'm not saying giving to goodwill is bad, nothing like that. But I think there comes a time when Jesus says, whatever you do to them personally is the same thing that you're doing to me. It's not whenever, it's not the fact that you are doing it. It's the fact of how you did it. Maddie walks over, sir, I want to give you this pizza that we bought. I want you personally to have it. That made such an impact on Maddie and on their entire family that Wednesday night, David was standing in the parsonage and told me that story. And what's Maddie, 19 years old? Nine years ago. God is saying, it's not if you do something, it's how you do it. Have you ever thought about that? Because Jesus says, whatever you do unto the least of these, but here's what we try to do. We try to give the least of these, the least of these. We give the least of these, like the least of our clothing, don't we? Like the worn out, the tattered stuff, the stuff that's out of style. We give the least of these, the least of these. We give the least of these on the side of the road, like a buck or two and say, that's good enough, right? I mean, the fact is I did it, that should be good enough. And Jesus goes, I understand what you're saying. He says, but when you did it to them, when you gave them your tattered clothes, when you gave them two or three bucks just to get by and make yourself feel better, when you did those things, you didn't do it to them, you did it straight to me. Now, let me go back and ask you a question. I said, if, if, if grandma was coming over for dinner, what would you cook her? And you said, whatever she wants. Now, if Jesus was coming over for dinner, what would you make him? Just think about it. What would you make Jesus? Wouldn't you make him the best possible dinner? Right? Just shake your head. Some of y'all aren't sure. We're in trouble. I need to start preaching a different message. This is important. In fact, this is so important that we've got to read the rest of the passage to get the context to see what Jesus was talking about. This is actually Jesus' number one priority for us. Ready? Let's go back just a few verses. Matthew 25, start at verse 31. This is what, this is what started Jesus to get on track to say it's how you do it and not that you do it. Ready for this? Matthew 25, 31 says, When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the holy angels with him, then he will sit on the throne of his glory. And all the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate them one from another as a shepherd divides his sheep from the goats. And he will set the sheep on his right hand, but the goats on his left. And then the king will say to those on his right hand, Come, you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. 
I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you took me in. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. And then the righteous will answer him him and say, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and take you in or naked and clothe you? Or when did we see you sick and in prison and come to you? By this, John 13, 35 says, by this, all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Here's what's amazing. And in case you missed this picture, Jesus said, one day there will be a time when the king, me, I will sit on on my throne and I will look out and, and I will have to be the one between you and the father. And I'll have to judge you according to who you are and what you've done and your belief in me. And he says, I will separate the goats from the sheep and the sheep will be over here. And I'll say, I know you are sheep. I know you are sheep because you gave. I will know that you are because you you accepted me as your savior, absolutely, but then you followed through with it and you gave me drink, you gave me water, you took care of people, you went to the prisons, you you went to the homeless, you you did all these things, I saw you. So Jesus saying, what you do is so important, amen? Now, we're talking about what? We're talking about praise, right? We're talking about praise. And Jesus is looking at us and saying, oh, I want you to know something, that whatever you do, whatever you do is either an act of praise or lack of praise. Isn't that amazing? Jesus said, when you walk by him, it was a lack of praise. When you stop and you gave him the shirt off your back, that was an act of praise saying, God, I am so thankful for who you are. I am so thankful for what you've done in my life. I'm so thankful that you'll never be defeated, that God, I will give whatever because I know that you'll give whatever. I I, I will do whatever. I will go however far you want me to go because I know that you will pay, repay whatever I do, amen? Your life is what Jesus is saying. Your life is an act of praise. Isn't that amazing? So what he was saying, he's laying down the groundwork for everything we do in our life, that everything we do should point back to praise. Have you been praising Jesus? Have you been praising Jesus? Let me ask you a little bit deeper question. Have you been struggling in worship? I mean, I come in, I hear the band, I sing the songs on the screen, but there's just no connection. I'm having a hard time getting there. I'm having a hard time worship. Can I ask you a question? Have you been praising Jesus? And you can't praise without being thankful. Are you truly deep down inside thankful for who Jesus is in your life? And I know it's so easy to say, yes, absolutely, pastor, preach on, that's good stuff. I I like that, and I'm so thankful for Jesus. But can we really, really think about it? Are we thankful, or do we 
complain and do we grumble and do we try to get by and, and do we just hope that everything works out or we go, no, Jesus, you are good. Jesus, I love you. I, I want to read you one more scripture and, and, and then we'll, we'll just kind of close it out. Let's do some more praise, Isaac, if we can do that. I wasn't even really planning on reading this verse, but it, it's amazing. I want you to look at this. 2 Corinthians chapter 8. It's so incredible. It's written to the Corinthian church, obviously, but he's writing about another church. It says, Moreover, brethren, we make known to you the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia. In other words, hey, Corinthian church, I'm going to tell you about this church that's got it going on. In verse 2 it says, They've been going through a great trial of affliction. The abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded in the riches of the liberality. For I bear witness that according to their ability, yes, and beyond their ability, they were freely willing. And they implored us with much much urgency that we would receive the gift of the fellowship. I love it. Please, come on. I'm so glad you're here. Receive the gift, not of speaking in tongues. Receive the gift, not of a blessing to it. Receive the gift of fellowship. Isn't that incredible? We just, we, we beg you to receive the gift of fellowship of the ministering of the saints. In verse 5, and not only as we had hoped, but they first gave themselves to the Lord and then to us by the will of God. So I want to take it from the, the back and, and, and go back to the front of this because this is amazing. Because it ends with saying, first, before we even got here, they gave themselves to the Lord. You know, the only way to give yourself to the Lord is to be thankful for the Lord. That's, that's the only way. You can't come to God and say, God, you know, I'm, I'm just, uh, I hate what's going on. I hate my situation. I hate, I hate my job. I hate, I hate my life right now. I hate with the circumstance or whatever. And, and, you know, I just, God, I just don't understand. But I give it all to you. And God's going, really? Are you really giving it to me? Or are you keeping some of it for yourself? Because it really sounds like you're keeping some up for yourself. But here's what it says. It says that they gave themselves to God first so they could give themselves to these disciples. God, we know that we're going through it. Are you going through it this morning? God, we know that we are going through things that are absolutely impossible for us to handle. We know that we are going through trials and persecutions. We know that we're going through things that, we, that are so far beyond our understanding. We know that it's just every day we go through it, we go through it, we go through it. But we cannot minister unless we give ourselves to you, God. And so today we give ourselves and our situations and everything we're going through, we give them to you so we can move forward in ministry. And they were so blown away that when they got there, they saw the poverty that they were in. And the disciples said they were so blown away to see the poverty, to, to, to see the, the, the persecution coming against them. They were so blown away to see every circumstance around them and be in this desolate, pitiful position. And yet when we showed up, 
all they could say was, welcome to the fellowship. Come on, get the gift of fellowship. It's going to be good. We've already given ourselves to God. We want to give ourselves to you now. We want to minister to you. I know you're here to minister to us and tell us how our situation is going to get better and God's always going to be with us. Forget all that. We're here to minister to you. Isn't that amazing? That this, this people in the church so overwhelmed the disciples that they said, we got to write a letter to the Corinthian church and let them know what's going on. This is incredible. In other words, God, I'm so thankful for my life. I know this is bad right now, but, but God, I'm so thankful for what you're doing. I'm so thankful that you sent us somebody. I'm so thankful for this community. I'm so thankful for your word. I'm so thankful for Jesus. God, thank you so much. And I want to give myself so I can give myself. In other words, God, I'm so thankful to you that I'm going to diffuse myself and diffuse your word and diffuse your knowledge throughout everyone I come in contact with. Isn't that amazing? And he goes, that is what praise is all about. That is the people that we showed up. They weren't devastated. They weren't defeated. They were praising God in the streets. How? How were they praising God when they've lost everything? And it says they praise God because they gave themselves to God. I love it. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that just blow your mind? that Jesus is so much better and so much more worthy of our praise than our problems are because we tend to praise our problems a lot, don't we? I mean, our problems, they're always on our lips. They're always on our thoughts. They're always on our mind. We're kind of consumed with them. We have, we're wrapped up in them. We always talk about our problems. We always tell other people about our problems. We, we always, and I know there's a time and a space. You can't just keep everything in, and there's, there's certain people you trust and stuff like that. But what are you praising, your problems or your God? Amen. Can I just tell you, I think if, if we gave ourselves to praise, if we gave ourselves to Jesus like the Macedonians did, if we, if we say, God, it's all about you, I think our praise will start looking a little different. I think maybe, I'm just saying, our feet will start moving a little bit. Oh man, I, was, I, I didn't think that bill would get paid and I just gave it to, to Jesus and I started praising, I started worshiping, I started, started being thankful for him and then the bill got paid. I'm just telling you, God is always faithful. Amen. This is day one and I knew it was gonna be shorter, but this is day one of a month of praise. <laughs>